Raven's Veil is a dark fantasy horror anthology podcast that may contain explicit language and thematic elements not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Raven's Veil, a dark fantasy horror anthology podcast set in the shadowy world of the Deep South, a convergent reality situated around what most of humanity has accepted as reality. Obscured from human eyes, Raven's Veil is a mystical sanctuary intended to preserve the existence of its immortal inhabitants. The Macquarie, commonly referred to as witches, have been hunted since before written history. The witches of the Highlands fled persecution to a new land that would come to be known as Appalachia. In these parts, you should always be leery of the things that scare witches. The veil is thin tonight, family. Let's see what darkness lies beyond. Well, hey there, family. I reckon after all the good feedback we got about episode zero, we're going to go ahead and give you a few more. There was a time when the whole family would sit on the front porch each evening and listen to Grandpa tell tales of when he was a boy. Some of my favorite stories to tell are the scary ones Pap told us. Pap never would tell us which stories were true and which ones were made up, but I reckon when you're little, it didn't make any difference. We were still going to be scared out of our wits by the time we were shoot off to bed. But as it happens these days, That tradition is headed down the road into the past, and I guess I'll be the last of the storytellers in my family. Now, if you promise not to be big old Frady Cats, I'm fixing to tell you one of those tales. Let me see. Which one might scare the wits out of you? Hmm. I think I know just what the doctor ordered. But now, you gotta know, it's not for the faint-hearted. Settle down now, family, and listen up. She woke up in the pitch blackness of the night. She guessed it was sometime after midnight. Something was off. She felt all out of sorts. The room was a little too cold for this time of year, and an unusual musty smell brought back terrible memories from her childhood. She couldn't see her hand in front of her face, It was utterly silent except for a few crickets chirping outside. Well, that's when it dawned on her. It was too quiet. And that smell, she couldn't take that smell. It was a cross between her granny's house and the funeral parlor that was in town when she was a little girl. Her granny's house always smelled like stale, greasy food fixed days ago. And that old cellar, whoo! The mildew and musty smell that seeped up from the cellar through the creaky old floorboards was caused by all the dusty herbs and potions sitting on the rickety old wooden shelves that lined the small earthen room. The cellar floor was just old packed red clay dirt, except for a little patch over in the corner where Granny would scratch out a mess when she was making this cure or that poultice. Granny had passed on in 1925 from the sleeping sickness. 
All her knowledge about herbs and roots and the like hadn't been able to help her in the least. One of the townspeople, a very pregnant young girl, who had come to Granny to see if she would be her midwife as it was just a few weeks before the baby would be here, had found her lying peacefully in her little bed in the back room she had shared with Papaw, laying there like she knew she was going to pass that very night. She remembered the old folks talking at the wake about how her granny was a powerful medicine witch, and they didn't know what they would do if anybody got really sick now. After a couple minutes in the darkness, she knew exactly what this was. No matter how many times she had tried to repress those old night terrors, here they were again. For years, she had dreamed about waking up in an old house in the center of a big old field surrounded by the forest of trees in the middle of nowhere. Most of the time, the dream would start with her walking on a little footpath leading up to the house. She would walk up on the porch and the front door would be standing wide open. That wasn't so unusual in the summer when it was sweltering, but her dreams always took place in the cooler weather of the fall when most people kept fire day and night. She would call out, Hello? Is anybody home? I'm afraid I'm a little lost, you see. I must have taken a wrong turn. Knowing no one would answer her back. After what seemed like an eternity had passed, she would slowly walk up the squeaky stairs to the second floor. She didn't know why she always walked up the stairs. Every step she took from the front door to the top of the stairs filled her with a growing fear and anxiety to the point of where she thought her heart might pound right out of her chest. As if compelled, she would take a step towards the darkened attic door that stood just a few inches open. She had never been in this house in her real life, but every detail, down to the tiny floral print on the wallpaper and the dirty smears on the windows that blocked out the light, causing shadows to dance menacingly across the floor, were etched in her mind as if she had picked the wallpaper out of the Sears and Roebuck catalog herself. She just needed to wake herself up and everything would be all right. But she opened the attic door and began to walk up the stairs. At the top of the stairs, the attic was a narrow little empty room with a cracked window at the front of the house and a tiny closet at the opposite end. No matter how many times she willed herself to go back down those stairs and run as fast as she could from the horrors of this house, she always started back towards the closet. Once she got to the closet door, everything would change. Sometimes the door was locked and she knew evil lay just beyond it. Sometimes the door would open on its own, but the closet was empty. Sometimes there was a large hope chest that she was compelled to open. She never knew what was in the chest. Every time she tried to open the chest, she always woke up terrified, screaming and crying, drenched in sweat. Now y'all gotta know, Miss Sybil Ashford was a pretty tall woman. All the people in her family on both sides, the Ashfords and the Atwoods, were all well above average height. And yes, she was strikingly beautiful, too. Her silky red, naturally curly hair lay effortlessly about her shoulders, framing the porcelain-like features of her face. Her sparkling jade-colored eyes were gentle and mysterious. 
She looked and acted every part the proper Scottish woman. She was intelligent and quick-witted, but had a mighty quick temper. She was a woman of few words, but definitely not shy. She had never married, so at the ripe old age of 27, she was considered quite the spinster. After her mother had gotten ill and passed away, she had taken over as the school marm of the one-room school her parents had built for the little town. She really didn't like teaching, but people considered her pretty good at it. And she loved her kids, so she just kept the job full-time, making sure the students at the Hemlock Holler School would graduate, having learned how to read, write, figure their numbers, and she also taught them a little history and the scripture. She had a stare that would cause anyone that crossed her path to look away. She was fiery and bold, a staunch defender of her family name, and any underdog that might be in her little town. You didn't really want to cross Miss Sybil, so most people just stayed out of her way and mostly let her do what she wanted to do when it came to running the school, and Miss Sybil was just fine with that. While people in town said she weren't afraid of nothing, but Miss Sybil was afraid of something. The house. She didn't know why she was so afraid of her dreams, but she was, and she hated that she was. It was on nights like this, when sleep brought only the night terrors, that she tried to lay awake and at least rest her body. Inevitably, she would get comfortable and drift off, and there she would be, walking down that footpath again, heading to the house where all her fears were waiting. Well, ain't this just something? Could have happened on any other night. But no, damn nightmares showing up. The night I have to wake up early and head down to the Atwood family reunion. She fumed. The Atwood family reunion was an annual event attended by almost all of the Atwoods. This year would be the hundredth year since they started having annual reunions. So everybody was going. Now, somewhere about 50 years ago, the Atwood bloodline and the Ashford bloodline had become mixed. Now these days, most of the Ashfords were as much Atwood and vice versa. It would take her most of the day for her to drive her wagon the 30 miles from Hemaw Collar in Greenville, Tennessee to the New Salem Missionary Baptist Church in Rogersville. But she knew she had to do it. She planned to wake up at the crack of dawn, have some leftover gravy and biscuits, and pack the wagon with everything she'd need to make the short trip down the mountain to her Aunt Ruby B's home before the sun started to set. She sure didn't want to be on the road after dark. There were too many crazy people, and well, she had been raised knowing there were things in these mountains that you didn't want to meet up with after dark. Aunt Ruby B was married to the right Reverend Theodore Eugene Atwood, the pastor of the New Salem Missionary Baptist Church, where the family reunion was held on the grounds every year around Memorial Day. The reunion had been held in the same place for the past 65 years, and quite honestly, that, that's probably why the Atwoods and Ashfords had become so mm, uh, intertwined. She was so tired, even her hair hurt. She knew it was going to be one hell of a ride down the mountain tomorrow, so she had determined to at least lay in her bed and rest until the sun started to come up. 
she must have dozed off and started dreaming again because when she woke up in a groggy haze, she could swear she was laying in a thick patch of dewy-covered grass. Surely she was still asleep and dreaming. It was pitch black. Not a single star peeked through the dark clouds that covered the waning crescent moon. She lay there, trying to let her eyes adjust to the darkness. But nothing but darkness came. She felt okay, not like when she was having a night terror. She didn't smell that terrible smell she usually smelled. Instead, she smelled the earthy, musty smell of switchgrass that grew all over the hills of East Tennessee. She decided to get out of bed, but realized she was laying on the hard ground. She said quietly to herself, I must be dreaming. Maybe this is some kind of new nightmare. She put her palms on the damp earth, and she could feel the tall grass pushing up around her from where she had been laying. She clumsily pulled her knees up under her body to where she was in a sitting position. She could feel her long chambray skirt twisted under her legs. And then she realized she didn't have any shoes on. Carefully, with a lot of effort on wobbly legs, she was able to gain her footing and stand up. She had a crick in her neck from sleeping in a cattywampus position on a hard ground. No, I gotta be dreaming, she thought to herself. Could I have sleepwalked outside? She had never sleptwalked before that she could recall. Okay. So if this is a dream, I, I just need to wake up. But somehow she knew it weren't a dream. It wasn't long until morning broke and daylight peeked lazily through the dark clouds overhead and she began to be able to make out some of the shapes around her. There was a light, misty drizzle falling from the sky she realized she was in a wooded area that she didn't seem to know. Did I hit my head or have an accident? She whispered under her breath as she struggled to see beyond the trees, hoping she might recognize something. As the dark gave way to a gloomy, wet morning, she was soaked to the bone and shivering from the early morning chill. Each step was painful as her feet sank into the wet, rocky earth with every step. After a couple of minutes, she could finally see past the tree line and frozen her tracks. She held her breath, afraid to move. Just a few yards away, she could see the footpath, and just beyond that, the house. Panic welled up in her throat, and she wanted to scream, but nothing came out. She knew what she had to do. She had to go into the house. Every fiber of her being was screaming for her to run, but she doubted she had anywhere to go. Something or someone had brought her face to face with her biggest fear, and she knew she would have to see this through to the end. Miss Sybil took a deep breath and leveled her chin. She hesitantly took a step towards the house, and then thought better of it. She screamed out, What do you want me to do? What do you want from me? 
She didn't rightly know if she was talking to God or the devil or something in between. Oh, God. Please don't make me go into this house. I don't think I'm strong enough to do it. I don't want to. Please, Lord, make this all go away. I don't want to die here. She pleaded. She stood there for a very long time, sobbing and hoping that someone would take mercy on her. After what seemed like hours had passed, she started to get mad. Her temper began to rise. She sighed, and then she snarled out loudly. Well, hell, if I have to do this, let's get this over with. Maybe if I make it through, I I can get some sleep. An unnatural chill slowly crept around her, and then the drizzle turned into rain. A loud crash of thunder sounded just beyond the tree line to the left, and then it seemed like the dark skies opened up and torrents of rain began to beat against everything it came in contact with. Sybil knew she was done for. If she stayed where she was, she would quickly die of exposure. If she went into the house, she, well, she didn't rightly know what was going to happen, but she knew it wasn't going to be good. She took one more deep breath, knowing that she had to go in. She set her mind to it. And just like every night terror she had ever had in her whole life, she started walking down the footpath. She slowly walked up the steps of the front porch, and out of what she assumed was habit or compulsion, she called out, Hello? Is a... Anybody home? I'm afraid afraid I'm a little lost, or maybe I've just lost my mind. I must have taken a wrong turn. Nothing looks familiar. She lied to the silence, knowing no one would answer her back. She waited on the front porch for a long time, her hands shaking and her courage threatening to fail her. Then, like so many times in her nightmares, She walked cautiously into the old house. That smell was everywhere. She walked into the house and looked around the first floor. To the right of the stairs was a nice-sized dining room with a table and chairs that would easily seat ten people. The house was still, quiet. It didn't seem like anyone had lived here for years. Yet... Everything was clean and tidy. Not one thing was out of place. She walked past the dining room back to the kitchen. The old wood cook stove had firewood stacked up beside it, and there was a small wooden table pushed up against the wall just under the window, and it seemed like it had seen its share of home-cooked meals. Strangely, there was what looked like a freshly baked apple stack cake sitting on the corner of the table. Everything was a little darker than she thought it should be, and the air around her felt like it was filled with electricity. Every step she had taken since she had walked into the house caused her anxiety to increase. She walked back to the front of the house and around the center stairs to what was probably the parlor and sitting room. She glanced out the front door and noticed it was late morning already. 
There was a great big old fireplace with a hand-carved limestone mantle and hearth. The mantle had lots of strange symbols and weird faces carved into it. Placed neatly around the room, there were a few old wood-framed upholstered armchairs and a couple of handmade end tables with bobbin legs that someone had taken great care to make. She walked to the back of the house and opened a door to what she assumed was the master bedroom. A familiar sense of melancholy hung heavy in the room. The bed was made neatly with a Dutch doll quilt covering the feather mattress. A dresser with a big mirror sat on the right-hand wall and a well-worn, comfortable-looking cane-back rocking chair sat in front of a small bayed window looking out on a small flower garden and the trees around the house. She noticed that the rain had slowed a little bit, but there was still a steady shower that didn't seem like it was going to let up anytime soon. She sensed the chair had helped rock many a baby to sleep in that window. Her mind was numb with fear, and she felt so tired, she decided to sit down in that old rocking chair and just stare out the window for a time. She must have dozed off because the next thing she knew, it was late evening and the sun had just begun to go down. She desperately didn't want to be in this house at night in the dark. Through the window, she caught a glimpse of something. Maybe her mind was playing tricks on her. Whatever it was, it was bigger than a man, but not quite as big as a bear. It was thin and sinewy, and she caught a glimpse of what might have been oily black feathers. She looked out the window, trying to determine what she was seeing. The creature moved effortlessly around the grounds like fog on the water, but there was a jitteriness and jerky motion that was so unnatural. She heard a piercing, indignant screech like a wild animal was in pain and very pissed off. Whatever this creature was, it spun around and stared directly at her with its glowing yellow eyes. It was as if the thing's form shifted back and forth between something that resembled a man and something horrible. She ran from the window into the parlor and tried to hide in the corner behind the small table just outside the bedroom door. The air in the house turned icy cold as the creature stomped around the outside of the house. Every few seconds it was growling and screeching. From where she was, she could see the front door, but the creature never came onto the porch. Terrified, she wondered if she was losing her mind. She had heard all the stories about bad things in these hills, but none of them had sounded like this monster. It looked like what she thought a demon would look like. So she decided to start reciting the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It was late in the morning when she woke up, laying in the corner of the parlor, half under the table. She was freezing and hungry. It took a minute for her head to clear so she could put the memories of the previous night back together. When she felt like she could stand, she walked to the front door and peered out. It was dark and dreary. The rain was still coming down in a steady drizzle. Sure enough, there were deep footprints all around the outside of the house in the wet earth. The deeper ones were full of rain. That thing had flung rocks and clods of grass and dirt up on the front porch, but there was no sign of that thing anywhere. She decided she couldn't put it off any longer. She needed to go look upstairs. She didn't want to be here when the sun went down again. Somehow she knew that creature would be back. Somehow she knew it was there for her. With every step she took, her heartbeat increased until it was racing like she had run a mile and her hands were starting to tremble like the time she had been chased by that old black mama bear down by the creek that summer. At the foot of the stairs, she paused, took a deep, long breath, and she whispered to herself, Dang it. Pull yourself together. You're out of options. So let's get this thing over already. I'm plumb fed up with it. She gathered up all the courage she could muster, which at this very moment seemed like little to none, and she slowly began to creep up the squeaky stairs to the second floor. Each step she took caused her fear to grow. Each step she took up to the second floor was causing her to feel like it might be her last. Each time she put her foot on the next step, it would creak as if it was going to give way at any moment sending her tumbling into nothingness. When she made it to the top of the stairs, she paused for a moment and considered running as fast as she could out that front door into the cold rain and as far away from this house as she could get. But she knew if she did, the night terrors would only get worse, and she didn't know if the house would even let her leave. Willing herself to take one more step, She felt that same old compulsion from her nightmares egging her own. She found herself holding her breath until her lungs burned. She tried to take a deep breath and found she couldn't. The temperature had rapidly dropped since she had started climbing the stairs. In fleeting, misty clouds, she could see her panicked, short breaths wisping in front of her face, and despite the chill in the air, droplets of sweat had begun to form on her forehead. Taking a step onto the second floor, she heard a faint whimpering sound coming from one of the three bedrooms. The world seemed to shift. Her fear plunged her into momentary madness. The creature was in the house. There was someone or something in the house. She needed to run now, but try as she may, the house compelled her onward. When she came back round, Her hand was holding the doorknob to the far left bedroom. She didn't remember walking to the door. Her heart was pounding 
putting her ear up to the door, she listened. Oh, thank God. There's nothing in there. She whispered gratefully. She released her breath slowly and turned the doorknob until she could open the door a crack. She peeked into the room. The rain had picked up again and was tapping against the pane of the single window like hundreds of tiny little fingers pecking on the glass. There was a small bed, again, made perfectly with a patchwork quilt and a small rag doll laying on the bed. There was a desk beside the window that had several pieces of blank paper laying on it and an old book that might have been a Bible. The room had a lonely feeling about it. A feeling of utter isolation and from being cut off from everything threatened to overwhelm her. She slowly backed out of the room and gently closed the door. She walked to each of the other two rooms and found pretty much the same thing. Unlike all of the other rooms in the house so far, these rooms seemed empty and, well, dead. Like they had lost their purpose for being. With a slight shudder, she closed the last door and began to turn around when she got a tingling sensation like someone was eyeing her. She froze, not knowing what to do. Her thoughts reeled out of control. Every malignant thing she had ever heard about, monsters and demons and witches and the boogeyman, in her mind they were right behind her and this this was going to be where she died. In the middle of nowhere, no one would know. She hissed. She couldn't breathe. Somewhere inside her, a small voice spoke, sounding like her mama's voice telling her, Baby girl, you're going to have to fight like hell if you want to live. As if being controlled by some evil spirit, she turned ever so slowly toward where the feeling was coming from. And without any conscious thought, she took a step toward the darkened attic door. It was open a few inches, and all she could see was pitch black darkness beyond the crack in the door. Her mind whirled as she noticed the tiny floral print on the wallpaper. It was comforting in an odd sort of way. Tentatively, she walked to the attic door. The white paint was peeling away from the weathered wood of the door, and she felt flakes of of rust crumbling in her hands as she slowly pulled on the doorknob. She leaned against the doorframe, staring into the darkness of the stairway, struggling to shove her fear aside long enough to walk up the stairs. She didn't know how long she stood there. The front of her shirt was damp with the tears running down her face. She sobbed, knowing that nothing good lay at the top of the stairs in the small attic that she had seen so many times in her nightmares. That was the problem. No matter how many times she had lived through the night terror, she had never gotten to the end. At the top of the stairs, there wasn't a door. As she climbed the steps, her body seemed like it emerged from the floor. The attic was a narrow little empty room with a small broken window that sat secluded at the front of the house, casting shadows over the few old boxes strewn about and a makeshift closet 
at the opposite end. It was dark, but even though the dark clouds blocked out most of the light, there was enough to see that there was nothing else in the room. She crept wearily over to the door of the closet, the door that had haunted her all of her life. She half expected it to be locked like it had been so many times in her nightmares. She reached out and took a hold of the knob and immediately pulled her hand back. Nothing had happened. Her breasts were coming in short gasps as her panic increased. She had to slow her breathing down or she would pass out right here in the dusty old floor of the attic. So she held her breath until her lungs couldn't hold it any longer and she ever so slowly exhaled. With each slow breath, her mind cleared a little bit and she reached out again for the doorknob and gently turned the knob and pulled the door forward. Oh God, it's there! She sobbed as her breathing became more and more labored. The hope chest she had seen so many times in her nightmares was there, just inside the closet. She caught herself again, forced her breathing to calm down yet again. She swung the door open and stared at the chest, trying to understand how this could be true. She had never been in this house before, yet so many times she had dreamed of this exact moment. She heard a noise downstairs. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. All at once it seemed the world around her froze. Her fear started to regress into the corners of her mind. It's now or never, she thought, and she lunged forward and opened the chest. At first, in the darkness, it looked like there wasn't anything inside the chest. But she felt around in the deep shadows and found four leather-bound books. As she lifted the books out of the chest, a flood of emotions and memories that seemed like someone else's washed over her. Loneliness, desperation, fear, rejection. She was so overwhelmed that she slumped down and leaned back against the chest. The object of so many of her fears seemed comforting at the moment. Something solid and stable as her life seemed to be spinning out of control. After the emotions began to leave, Sybil began to read the very familiar handwriting as if her eyes began to blur with tears of realization. This is the journal of Sybil Ashford. I declare, contents are private in nature and are for my eyes only. I expressly forbid you to read this journal if you know what's good for you. I can do really bad things to you and no one would ever know. October 31st, 1932. Dear Diary, today was the beginning of my 16th year life. It has been an utterly awful day. Mom and Daddy did their best to make it a festive day. But since I'm not allowed to be around Ruby and Lucy, my two dearest friends in the world, I just can't seem to find any happiness. Everybody in Hemlock Holler knows about it. 
and everybody, but Lucy and Ruby seems to be scared of me. I overheard Daddy talking to Mars Booker, one of Daddy's lifelong friends, saying that they didn't know what they were going to do, but they're probably going to send me up to Greer, South Carolina, to get me trained up with one of Mama's aunts at some place called Ravensvale. Either that or perform the stilling until they could figure it out. I had never heard of Greer, and I didn't even know Mama had any family. I'd never met them, and I certainly had never heard her talk about them. I'm still not sure what all this is about. It seems like a dream. One minute, Clarence Eugene Mulkey was teased and loose about something or another, and then I woke up in my bed. Mom and Daddy really wouldn't tell me anything about what happened, but Luce and Ruby had said I pointed at Clarence Eugene and screamed for him to go away, and he'd gone flying out the window. Shaken, Sybil began to weep. She sat there for what seemed like an hour. Her legs had fallen asleep and her back hurt. None of this made any sense. Her head felt like it was splitting open, and she wanted to vomit. She was weak and felt like she couldn't even stand up. But she dragged herself up, holding on to the hope chest, and cautiously made it down to the second floor, where she went to the last room on the left and silently curled up on the bed and cried herself to sleep. Well, family, that's where we're going to leave you today. It's getting pretty late and the young'uns need to scoot on off to bed. If you like what you heard in this episode, make sure you tune in to our next episode when you'll find out a little bit more about Miss Sybil's mysterious past. Now, family, you adults have a few chores to do. If you haven't already, go on over to our website at ravensvale.com and see about doing your chores on social media. Follow us on all the social media platforms that we've made available for you guys and tell your friends about us, won't you? And don't forget about Discord Live called The Front Porch. The family gathers there almost every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time to chat about this and that. It's a lot of fun. So until next time, family, see you soon. Ravensvale is a production of Small Raven Media. Today's story was written and narrated by Ed Bolden Greer. The voice of Sybil Ashford was performed by Melanie Alexander. The voice of Mary Ashford was performed by Emily Mackinoff. Vocal effects for Rock Crossel were performed by Jared Bolden Greer. Audio engineering and sound design by Nick Devan at Nicky D Sound. Copyrighted 2023 Small Raven Media. All rights reserved. Well, hey there, family. We want to thank y'all who have recently joined the family. If you haven't, then you know everyone needs to pitch in with the chores. Go on over to the social media and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Links to all those in our marvelous Discord server are available at ravensvale.com.